Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, joined by Jordan Climac once again to talk about the draft. Jordan, it's Sunday night. The Masters has just wrapped up. I, I saw you've got a beer in your hand going into this podcast. Yeah. Life is good, isn't it? Life is good. I, I The only thing I could have asked for was maybe just some, a little bit more of an exciting finish to the Masters. It is what it is. I'm happy for Japan getting their first uh, major winner. So uh, Matsuyama was born. But yeah, I mean, life's good right now, man. Let's go. Draft season. Yeah, I mean... Look, the Indians are winning. Things are good. But Matsuyama had a bad shot off the first tee. And I thought, oh, we're in for a great, a, a classic Sunday <laughs> right, Masters yeah, where he comes back to the field and it gets exciting. And and it was none of that, actually. It, it ended up really never getting that close. And honestly, even the guys it was getting close with, not really the big names that I had, like, strong feelings on. So it was kind of tough to yeah. really get on one side or the other. Yeah, I was kind of rooting for Zalatoris uh, starting yesterday just because he looked like he was like 15 years old. And uh, and yeah, I don't know. He just, for some reason, I was like, all right, you know, I want this guy to win. And maybe put a couple credits on him this morning. So that was kind of my rooting interest. And obviously <laughs> that looked like it wasn't going to happen pretty early on. So it is what it is. Zalatoris, a young guy, uh, I think going to Wake Forest. So uh, yeah, speaking correct. of, we're going to make the transition here. Speaking of young guys, 24 years old, Zalatoris. We got to talk about some NFL draft prospects. That's how we're yes. going to make this transition. Uh, not a great one there, but uh, <laughs> hopefully the Blue Wire folks will uh, allow that. Jordan, I can't wait to do this podcast. We talked about it last week, and ever since, I, I've been very excited. What to do with the 26th overall pick? Dove into basically all the the prospects that have been rumored to the Browns at this point. Of course, they could trade up, they could trade down, and all this will be irrelevant. But to me, this was an extremely helpful exercise to form some really concrete opinions about these guys. I had done a deep dive on the corners. I had seen some film on these guys, but I really, I just, the, the last couple of days nerded out a little bit and, and watched some, some YouTube clips and then some all 22. It was fantastic. And I can't wait. Uh, I, I think that most interesting thing here is there's a lot of guys and at a lot of positions the Browns need. So there, there's a ton of guys to cover. Yeah, there is. And uh, we talked about edge rush. We talked about linebacker. We've talked about corner. But now uh, now we have some names to actually start associating with that 26 pick. So I'm excited to go ahead and dive right into these guys as well, Henry. I like I feel like we're getting in like I felt like a real like pro scout this weekend. Right. Like <laughs> crunching film, like <laughs> reading up on these guys like it, it's it's starting to feel real. And it, I, I have done this for a couple drafts now, but this one has been very, very fun because it's been a little bit of a different flavor with the Browns not being at the top of the draft. Some guys that I think are a little bit more variable. Once you get to the back end of the first round, I, I think there's not as much consensus, which to me makes it a little bit more fun where I can have a strong opinion and not feel like I'm totally out of bounds because somebody out there probably agrees with me. Somebody probably doesn't. So Let's jump into it, Jordan. I want Let's start with the edge because we talked about that last time. For both of us, that was our biggest need for the Browns. And this draft is filled with edge rushers. And I think the place to start when talking about the edge is Miami because they have yeah. two edge prospects that have been mocked to the Browns at various points. And I'll, I'll go with Jalen Phillips first. He's a little bit more fun. Okay. So. Jalen Phillips is a guy that 
Chris Trapasso and I actually talked about in February when we first took an early look at, at, at the draft. He had Jalen Phillips going to the Browns. He's a, a wild prospect. He was an extremely high recruit that went to UCLA. Injuries, and uh, yep. especially concussions, forced a retirement from him. Then he changed his mind, re-enrolled at Miami, and put together a great season this year. Now, of course, they're are a lot of concerns about the injuries and all of that, that that we can get into. But Jordan, first, what were your initial thoughts when, when you saw Jalen Phillips uh, on tape? Yeah, so kind of the couple of things that I noticed kind of right away was he's very physical. Uh, he's a very physical guy at the line of scrimmage, which I like. I like, like that on both sides of the ball. I like that on offensive line and defensive line. So I think he has the physical thing. I also noticed like a high motor. Um, he seemed like a high motor guy to me, a guy that's out there. He's giving it his all in every play, not giving up after maybe he gets blocked the first time. So there's high motors. Well, he was pretty, I, he's long, Henry. Like he's a long, long dude. And um, he, some good, good first step quickness, uh, flexible. He had some speed, but like the main thing that the main takeaway for me was probably length. Just watching him. Like that's the word that I kept saying in my head again, is like length long. He's long. He's athletic. He doesn't give up. So, like, those are the good things I noticed. But so, so do we want to go good, good first and then bad? Yeah, yeah. Or I'll, I'll, we... I'll jump in okay. with the good things. And, and the, the thing I'll add to what you just said about Jalen Phillips is the comp- what I love to see from a, a pass rushers is a combination of the wide, the speed moves and then the physicality. And you brought up the physicality and that certainly jumps off the tape. And then he's got some good bend that, you know, he, yeah. Of course, Miles Garrett's the top, uh, you know, the cream of the crop as far as the NFL is concerned of pass rushers. But you see Garrett overwhelm people with his physicality. And then he just has that speed option to the outside where he can really bend around the corner for his size. And I saw some of that with Jalen Phillips on tape. And frankly, overall, Jalen Phillips' tape to me was awesome. Like, he is yeah, awesome I to agree. watch. You see why he was a top prospect. To me, his tape alone means he should go way, way above the Browns. I think he's he's borderline a top 10 pick in terms of his talent. Now, Jordan, to get to the negative side, it's yeah. just, it's the injuries. It's straight up, is right. this guy going to be a, a concern there, especially with the concussions? I'll phrase it to you this way. Do Are you worried? So obviously he has the injury history and we're not going to have the medicals. Are you worried at all that he chose to retire and also, uh, I've seen some worry that he opted out of Miami's bowl game a- as well. Do those decisions worry you? Because I feel like that's where you can come in with a little bit more context. Yeah, I, so it, I'll be honest, they do. It, it, uh, the whole retire and then unretire thing tells me that, you know, he's kind of, he may be one of those guys to kind of make a quick impulse decision, which like, hey, like if you're looking out for your health and all that, and like you think that's best for you, like, by no means am I saying, like, don't do that. Like, do what's best for you without question. But if I'm looking at it from an NFL draft standpoint, it's like if you're drafting a guy in the first round at 26 for a team that has Super Bowl aspirations, like, no, you don't want a guy that there's going to be a question mark going on about, like, I don't want to say, like, his commitment uh, to the game, but it's more just, like, his health because – and it wasn't just the concussions. Uh, I believe – yeah, let me say, make sure this is correct. Yeah, he, I think he broke his wrist 
yeah. in like a motorcycle accident or something I along those lines. Described as a scooter accident, which I would love yeah, that's, to know. Yeah, that might have been what it was, like, like pocket rocket or something like that. He got into like a serious scooter accident. Yeah, because uh, I, I think that was one of the concussions as well. So I don't know if he got hit by something that moves faster than a scooter because I would love I, that would concern me all in itself if my yeah, defensive oh, yeah. end got a major <laughs> scooter accident all on its own. <laughs> but you know, on a little bit more of a serious note, Jordan, I. It's such a high risk, high reward thing. I actually think it, it. I would love it for the Browns because of the the potential to get a guy at 26 that is this game changing. Ideally, the Browns aren't going to be picking in the top 10 or 15 again for the next couple of years. So to have the opportunity to get a talent like this, I feel like it's worth the risk. However, I just don't think he's going to be there. I think somebody's yeah. going to take the risk before the Browns. Watching this tape, I'm like, there's no way NFL GMs haven't convinced themselves to take this guy and are going to forget about the medical red flags. Yeah, exactly. I think there was an ankle injury sprinkled in there as well. So it's like, and then obviously he sat out the one year before he transferred to Miami. So it's like, I, there's there's a lot of rawness to him, I believe. And, and I think that as well, it's like kind of like, I, I don't know if he's, like he just seems unpolished in that sense. And like, he hasn't played a lot of football in recent years. So that kind of worries me too. But again, like the positives outweigh the negatives here by a lot. And again, I don't think he will even be there, but if he was there, I would absolutely jump on him at 26. No question about it. Him and his other Miami counterpart who we'll probably get to next, Gregory Russo, both those guys, if they fell to us at 26, which I don't know that either will, but that's, that's almost best case scenario. Well, let's do that. Let's get to Gregory Russo. His, uh, so although they were teammates, I guess, they were, weren't were really ever teammates because right. yeah. Gregory Russo is the opposite. So in, in 2019, he played and had an extremely productive season, 15 and a half sacks, only trailed Chase Young, who, of course, of course most brands, Browns fans probably saw playing on Saturdays for Ohio State. And then Russo opted out in, in 2020. So didn't play this last season. And... Jordan, he's a strange prospect. At least uh, that's how I felt watching him. He is a very polarizing prospect. He's a converted receiver. You don't see a whole lot of converted receivers to D end, but that is what Gregory Rousseau is. It sounds like, though, you're pretty high on his ability uh, and would love the Browns to have him at 26. Is that right? That is correct. And uh, just thinking about him as a receiver for a second, so he's six seven. 265 270 like can you me i can't even imagine that like maybe he just didn't Deep have physical the to like <laughs> put him at tight end or something i mean come on like like can't you see him on an nfl sunday knowing that that's his background in some like jj watt goal line type type scenarios like i could totally see that and i would Pull totally back. be here for that yeah but um if i'm looking at him like kind of like just immediate reactions from like what i took away from his film and kind of what i read on him and what really intrigued me with him the first thing is explosiveness. Um, I think that he has outstanding athleticism and a lot of upside um, just in general, but like fast moving and Henry, and it wasn't just like fast moving. Like you can, you know, he'd get off the line quick or if you, you know, line him up, if he wasn't in three point stance, like it was like uh, lateral quickness. I think like tr- uh, um, running after ball carriers, like he was quick, kind of fast moving in really any direction, which I think is a great skill to have from defensive end because I want you to be able to tackle, make plays in the run game as well as the pass game. So I loved that with him. Again, it was just quickness. Like his, to me, it seemed like his feet were always moving. He's got that athletic burst. And I think that he's a guy that can, like I and watching him play a handful of times, like he was a guy that was lining up in the three-point stance and like standing over tackle. So I think he can be effective 
in either of those uh, positions. And he's going to bring quickness to each of that. So like really to me, it was the explosiveness and the effectiveness to play the three point stance and standing over tackle. Like those were the big things that I took away from uh, Russo. Loved him, by the way. I love both these guys from Miami. I might love Russo a little bit more than Phillips, to be honest with you. But, um, oh man, if either of these guys fell to us at 26, that's that Nintendo 64 on Christmas, baby. Let's go. See, this is interesting, Jordan, because we're going to have a disagreement here off the top. Okay. Okay. So again, he was a little bit more up and down for me. I, he's obviously the production is there and you mentioned it, the feet. On yeah, him as a defensive Come end, on. I mean, which is something you don't really, at least I don't really think about uh, a, a lot, but the way he moves his feet as a defensive end it, it is awesome. I mean, it's it's insane. For his size, you're just like, wow, this guy moves. And the the thing that he did so well, that is why I think he's so polarizing of a prospect, is he got a ton of sacks working against interior defensive linemen, where he went from the yeah, outside to so- the inside and just smoked those guys so yeah that's actually the like i was gonna say that one of my negatives was and the kind of thing that i noticed a lot was he kind of seemed like there were times where he was kind of easily controlled by blocks if you know what if, if you know what i mean yeah. by that and like kind of in like single like one-on-one situations like there were times where he was clearly kind of just like overpowered and i get what you're saying too because like i like if you were gonna want someone alongside miles garrett like you don't want a guy that you're going to be able to just one-on-one can't get the job done because the whole point of Miles Garrett is giving one-on-one metrics to everyone else on that line. So that kind of did worry me. I, I will say that about him. So my concerns with him are these. Number one is I feel like people are saying, hey, he played one year at this position and had outstanding production, 15 and a half sacks in just one year. That's crazy given how new he was to the position. And I understand that, but – Seven of those 15 and a half sacks came against Florida State and Pittsburgh in two games where I think he was just an absolute mismatch for the guy going against him. So I'm a little worried about the one-year wonders sensation part of it where he got most of his, uh, you know, almost half of his sacks in, in, in those two games. Now, the other thing that worries me too is, like you said, I felt like he was a little sticky in terms of blocks, when, especially when going against tackles. And that part yeah, concerns right. me. Uh, because I just I wonder how often he's going to be able to win one on one. Now you brought up a great point in that he's got quick feet, he's got he's long, he's rangy, and I I think all of those attributes are intriguing. And then on top of it, I you know the the moving the it, moving inside part can be absolutely be seen as a negative because he couldn't win against tackles a lot of times. However. That could also be seen as a positive, depending on how you view it. Because if he gets those opportunities with the Browns and pass rush, oppor- you know, situations inside, you know, Garrett's always going to be on the outside. You know, we've got other outside pass rushers who could be working in on third down. He could be a really intriguing fit to move inside on, on pass, on, you know, on pass obvious situations, and really create some problems against guards and centers. I just there were one one too many plays for me, Jordan, where he he just did not do anything against a tackle. And I was like, eh, if this is going to be our guy 26, I, I wouldn't hate the pick, but I also wouldn't love it either. I, I get what you mean, but I, I are you under the uh, belief? Because I kind of think that neither of these guys, Phillips or Russo, will be there at 26. Russo, I think, is a little bit more interesting. Uh, I think he 
could be there at 26. I also don't think he will be, though. I think, again, yeah. the, the physical measurements uh, will ultimately mean that he's going to jump above the Browns. But he, I think, is more likely than Jalen Phillips. I, I think there's a legitimate possibility that the Browns draft Rousseau, though I'd put it at less than 50% that he's available. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you totally there. Another prospect that I don't think will be available for the Browns, Jordan, but I wanted to talk about because I've seen him available in a couple scenarios is Aziz Ojulari out of Georgia. And he is, again, a a hybrid prospect because he's a little bit of a 3-4 outside linebacker. He's a little small to be a traditional defensive end, but he's out of Georgia, great production there, and is somebody that is jumping off uh, on take to a lot of draft experts. Jordan, how impressed were you with his take? I was impressed. I wasn't like overly impressed, to be honest with you. Um, a couple of things I noticed right away, like I think he kind of, he possesses the strength to kind of come into the NFL and, you know, not be outmatched from a physical standpoint. I think he has that like a NFL ready strength, I guess you could call it. Um, explosiveness as well I think he was good in pursuit um but to me he needed uh like I see he's very raw in my eyes like he needed a lot of work as as an edge setter again the strength is there um a couple of things that I read said that he's like a really great character guy and those are kind of the guys that I kind of want to bring into this locker room so I love him from that standpoint but the other thing that I noticed in this uh tape was like it didn't seem to me that he had a, a lot of moves on the defensive line you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't feel like he had a lot of, like, it seemed like he only had one move to try and get free from, from the pass block. And it, once that one move didn't work, he kind of was kind of left sitting on his ass, like didn't know what to do. So that was the thing that worried about me with him. It was like, is he going to be able to set the rudge or set the edge um, consistently in the NFL? And I don't know if he can really fully reach his potential until he does add some more to his repertoire in terms of pass rush. Those are things I noticed. He's, he's number three out of these guys for me, uh, yeah. I, which I don't, I'm not necessarily sure it's, it's going to end up that way in terms of draft boards. I think he's higher on a lot of people's boards than, than both you and I seem to be on him. I'm just not sure where he fits number one. Yeah. And I know everybody is of, uh, a lot of times of the mindset in the draft that, Hey, draft a player and don't worry about the position, but I don't necessarily subscribe to that. I just don't see for the Browns, how he plays defensive end successfully. And I just don't it, see it. The other thing too, like when you, that's such a great point. You say that like just draft the player and then like kind of figure out the position later. And I feel like I've heard that a lot from the Browns fans. And that just comes from Jedrick Wills pick last year of, you know, obviously he was right tackle at Alabama, but again, technically left tackle because Tua was left-handed. So he was protecting his blind side. I don't think that was as big. I mean, obviously it's a big transition just going from college to NFL, but I just feel like for Browns fans in particular, they see that and think like, Hey, we can do it again because it worked out here. It's like, no, it doesn't really work that way. I I am a hundred I a hundred percent with you. I yeah, I guess I I I really don't know what I love about him because of that. I he's well, he's got fantastic measurables. He does have that speed for his size that is fantastic. But I look at him and I'm like, I would be shocked if this guy is good in year one. I just don't see the moves like you're talking about the size. I think he's going to be overwhelmed physically until he puts more muscle on it, on his frame. And and even then he might not have that much more muscle to put on. He's pretty well, you know, build out. Uh, So I just, I think it could take him a while to find his position in the league. And I'm not, I'm not even that confident 
that he's going to do it. He, he's got, you know, the traits, the aggressiveness. And, and so that's why I think people think he can get away with his lack of size. I'm just not there with it. And honestly, it, Miles Garrett already isn't the best run stopper on the edge because he's so focused on the pass rush, which I'm totally fine with. But I don't really want a second guy that's going to be even worse on the edge on the opposite side of Miles Garrett. So for me, this guy is a is a is a pass for the Browns. If he gets to the Browns, and I and I think that is an unpopular opinion with, with some people out there, but for me, I just don't see it. He's third out of these three guys for me, and and pretty comfortably so. I like a lot of the other prospects we're going to get to later uh, above him as well. Yeah, I absolutely agree, one hundred percent. And um, again, like, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't see how he fits in this team. He's not the kind of edge guy that I'm looking for in this draft. And I think the Browns would agree with that. And, and yeah, I don't see, it. I don't see him likely at twenty six. Uh, all right, so I think that covers the the most, uh, uh, most of the the most likely prospects to get to the Browns as far as the edge is concerned at twenty six. That there are a ton of guys, ton of edge players in this class. We could talk all day about them, but I feel like those are the three most likely. So I I wanted to cover those. And I also felt like three of the more polarizing prospects. So fun stuff there. Now, somebody else, Jordan, that's been pegged to the Browns, and and I've still seen it in a couple places, is Trayvon Merrick. Um, Hopefully I said that right. And he is a safety. safety. He's really, he's the number one safety on the board and is really the only one that I think would make sense at 26 for the Browns is, is him. And so he, he, he played a TCU and with him, I think it's just a question of the Browns already, you know, signed John Johnson. They've got Grandel, but obviously coming back uh, off that torn Achilles Jordan, would you spend a first-round pick on another safety if you were the Browns? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, you know, obviously, we still there's still a big question mark with Delpit, as you said, and Johnson as well, and obviously Ronnie Harrison. Of course, there's some health issues that go into that as well. Like I did like what I saw from uh, Trayvon here, but like at the same time, like um, I just don't see I just don't see a safety being drafted that high back-to-back years, especially when you address that in free agency. But like, to me, like the thing that I noticed with him right away was like, it seemed to me like he could play high safety and he could play slot. Um, probably was definitely better and he'll probably find his mold in NFL um, at that high safety position. But um, yeah, he, I, 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 I caught him biting on some double moves a couple of times. Like it, he's biting on that kind of stuff and angle issue, angle issues when it comes to tackling were, pretty uh pretty obvious as well and I just yeah, I don't think he was the best open field tackler he's one of those guys it seems like to me that like always enjoyed to um get the uh make the big tackle rather than anything else and uh yeah so I mean I don't know again I don't see the Browns taking a safety there I I like some things with uh with him here but again yeah I don't, I don't see it happening see I actually like him a lot more as a prospect than you but I think that makes the question even harder. So I look, I thought his ball skills were pretty exceptional. I loved, and, and I, I especially love this among safeties, his, his ability to bait quarterbacks into throws. That is something that just tickles my fancy and watching draft prospects as somebody who clearly baiting quarterbacks and then jumps on a route. And I thought saw that a couple of different times on, on his film. Yeah. And 
I, I really was impressed all the way around for his coverage. I thought his run stopping was pretty good. I know there's some questions about, like, you know, sometimes he doesn't quite take the right angle, but I liked it for the most part. To me, that just makes the question even more difficult is, hey, are we really going to invest in this guy when we already invested in John Johnson? And I guess the answer is no. However, I loved him as a prospect. And if they bring him in and he beats out Grant Delpit and that's the way it goes, or we find those three on the field a lot together with John Johnson, Grant Delpit, and Ronnie Harrison also obviously got to throw in the mix. I don't know. I I liked him a lot, but it, it's just, it's a strange fit. There, there's no doubt that it's a strange fit. So... I don't know. I, I would grade it highly if they draft him because I love him as a prospect. I just I, I don't know how you feel about him versus Grant Delpit until I see what Grant Delpit looks like next year. Yeah, I, I feel you on that. But for me, it's just all like I've, I've been saying it for a couple podcasts in a row now. It's, I just think you got to go edge here. So it's like anything like going when there's a, when, there, when there's still need to edge and to go draft a position that you are pretty set at. Like, you know, that's where you kind of start to lose me on that. So that's that's all my whole opinion there. I, and and I, I see that point, I guess I, I just, you're just falling it, in love with him. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, here's the thing. And, and, and we're going to get to this with a couple of these other prospects is, and I think this is why this exercise is so fascinating. Once you go in and actually watch the players and don't just talk about the needs, I think edge is clearly our number one need. I also think it's the place where I'm going to be least confident in the picks that the Browns make at 26. I liked I, I liked Trayvon a lot more than, uh, or I guess I was more confident in him than some of the other guys. And as we'll get to, there's some other guys at other positions that I think are less valuable that I like too. However, they're just, they play less valuable positions. And so ultimately I agree with you. I think the edge has got to be the move here. However, I think safety is pretty valuable in this defense. I think they have to add another one in this draft. So if they do it early, I won't hate this pick. I really won't if it's him. But I understand that edge makes more sense from a team building perspective. I just, I, I'm in love with the player. <laughs> no, and yeah, no, I understand totally, man. It just, sometimes you just fall in love with these guys, but like to me, it's just, I don't see it happening. So I just can't like even really like convince myself of it, if that makes sense. For sure, for sure. And that's, and that's important when looking at these because you have to obviously put yourself in the position of the team and add that context in there. Right. Speaking of that, so the Browns have made some moves at linebacker this offseason, but pretty minimal, adding Anthony Walker to the mix. A, a couple mock drafts have had the Browns taking a linebacker, and specifically Daniel Jeremiah seems to think the Browns are taking a linebacker. In his first mock draft, he had Zayvon Collins going to the Browns. In the most recent one, he had Jamin Davis. So, Jordan, let's start with Zayvon Collins. Uh, he's also out of TCU, so I think that makes – for an easy transition here. He is not, he's more of an outside linebacker, not an inside linebacker. So he would probably be competing on the outside with some of the Browns recent draft picks, Taki Taki. He'd be in the mix with Jacob Phillips, Malcolm Smith, those guys. Is that an area that you think the Browns should you know, potentially address here if he was still on the board for the Browns at 26? Yeah. See, this is one where I like, you know, at first I, I, I was seeing him, like I said, it was probably in like, maybe like, 60% of mocks or something like that. Like I, I just kept seeing him show up a lot in the, on, to the Browns there. And so I was kind of like, I didn't really understand it at first. And then I just kind of started to, you know, study him more and read up on him and kind of understand what makes him so intriguing at 26. And um, yeah, like I would, I would actually like Henry, I think I said in the last podcast, like I didn't understand it, but like now I kind of understand everything of why, like I'm kind of starting to fall in love 
little bit with Zayvon Collins here and everything that I saw because mm-hmm. the one thing that I noticed is like he seemed very disciplined to me, um, particularly in, in pass coverage. Um, like I thought it, it was like it went in, in zone coverage in particular, like it looked like to me, like he, he just knew what he was doing. He was disciplined. It wasn't really making a lot of mistakes in, um, in coverage. And I think he had four interceptions and two pick sixes last year. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. dude can make some plays in the passing game. And we've been talking about like, that's what we need from, uh, from these linebackers. And like, to me, it's just consistency. Um, he's been produced all three of his seasons down there at Tulsa. And it's the combination of size and athleticism for me so like all of those things but particularly how good he was in pass coverage like I, I I didn't understand how good he was in pass coverage until I actually started watching him and I was like all right dude knows what he's doing like I would love this pick at 26 for the Browns and and I I said he went to TCU obviously he went to Tulsa uh, my bad there but Jordan yeah. I as far as him as a prospect I'm mostly on the same page with you I think He's got exceptional athleticism for a linebacker, which shows up in coverage a lot. I, I think he really gets to places, gets in the lanes faster than quarterbacks think he is going to. Something I also love from him, and this is something I love from defenders in general, is terrific effort catching up to make tackles. When you're That's initially point, yeah. beat hustling and preventing that five-yard gain from becoming an eight-yard gain. To me, that is a critical skill as a linebacker and is something the best linebackers in the NFL do pretty well. I'm not quite there as you are in terms of him overall as a prospect. I think there are times when I didn't love his instincts, uh, you know, in diagnosing run plays. But like you said, some of it too, what's difficult with linebackers is you get the guys that – want to jump in and make a tackle for loss every play and they end up getting burned. I felt like he was the opposite where he was extremely patient and he made the tackle a ton. He, he ended up with his product and that's why his production is so high. He makes the tackle all the time, but to me, he was a little hesitant. I don't know if it's hesitancy yeah. or. Yeah, I just- think it was Henry. I think it was almost like a lack of aggressiveness and like, yeah. it was almost like, I kind of like, I want to see you like impose yourself a little bit more. Like, that's kind of the takeaway that I got from him from a negative standpoint. Yeah, and that's why – so uh, flipping it with him and Jamin Davis, Jamin Davis is kind of the – so, uh, I mean, they play slightly different positions. Davis is yeah. a middle linebacker right. for sure. But to me, he was a little bit the opposite where he showed fantastic instincts. But he is – doesn't have the track record that, that Collins has. He's, a, he's played 11 games at Kentucky. He has essentially played one year, and – he to me showed fantastic uh, instincts for that being the case. However, the production, when you look at it, is just much more mild compared to a, a guy like Collins, who three years at outside linebacker, you've got tons of tape to study, tons of evidence that this guy is solid. And it's a question of, once again, risk reward if you're at this position for the Browns. But let me ask you this, Jordan. Do you think you would rather upgrade at middle linebacker it, it, you know, assuming both these guys are upgrades, which maybe they're not. Yeah. Would you rather bring in a middle linebacker to compete with Anthony Walker or an outside linebacker to compete with, you know, the, the guys I mentioned earlier? I would say, I would say outside. I would say outside. Uh, like about a Malcolm Smith, who I'm not really sold on. A Taki Taki as well. I yeah. To me, it's outside. Um, I like Anthony Walker. I think he's going to kind of come in and and be like an instant, like uh, not a guy that's like going to like turn heads by any means but I think he can be at least consistent and like give us some production there 
but it's kind of the outside that I have questions with, with Taki Taki and these guys that like we've been asking for to be better in pass coverage for it seems like a couple of years now. And I think Collins could come in and at least patch that up a little bit. So for me, it's outside there. I also think it's outside, which I guess is why I'm le- it's funny. I think I like Davis slightly better, but I also think I like Collins more for the Browns just because yeah. of that coverage ability. Like you mentioned, I just, I want guys who can cover in space on the outside and the Browns guys are decent exactly. at that. They, they've been up and down depending on the guy, but just not enough consistency there. And the way the NFL is going, I think if you're going to add a linebacker in this spot, it's got to be somebody who can both play the run and play the pass. And I just trust that Zayvon Collins is going to be able to do that. Yeah, totally. I agree with you there. Is it time to is it time to do a little uh, Jamin Davis now? I mean, we, we yeah, mentioned yeah. I mean, well, yeah. Well, what are your thoughts on him? I gave I gave mine away <laughs> so, a little bit there, but but jump in. What what are your thoughts on him as a prospect? So I, with Jamin, I, I got to say too, like and and first of all, like I, I I didn't even I think I was calling him like Jamin or Jamin Davis or something like that. So like I totally had it wrong for for maybe even like a couple podcasts in, in a row there, but nonetheless, Jamin Davis, yeah. So like what I liked with him, like obviously he's just big, big linebacker right off the bat. I mean, 6'4", around 240, um, big guy. Uh, to me, it was like focus, um, a lot of vision. Like, it seemed like he, like to me and what I saw with him, it seemed like every single time that there was a play for him to make, it seems like he took the right angle, if that makes sense. Like, just every time it was like, okay, you, yeah, you you made took the right angle, you got in the right position. Like, I feel like he was always, seemed like he was always in the right position to make the right play. Um, to me too, like he was actually pretty decent in the coverage. Uh, at least he was able to recognize uh, stuff like quicker than better than I thought he would be for that middle linebacker position. But yeah, like again, he was just kind of making plays all, all over the field and um, able to get off of blocks pretty quickly um, in, in the run game, which which I noticed, which I love from a middle linebacker. Absolutely. So like, those were the kind of those were the big things I noticed with him. But um, Again, it's just like for him, it's all going to come down to inexperience. Like he's so raw, and um, I I don't know if he's I he's kind of reminds me of um, uh, who we were, we were just talking about uh, was it Zayvon Collins and that was saying about like the aggressiveness to me. Like I, there are times to me where I feel like I was asking to see more aggressiveness from from Jamin. So um, yeah, those kind of things. I don't think he was like the best uh, had the best pursuit for the linebacker, but. The things that I mentioned, which I really liked with him, it was just, uh, it seemed like he was always in the right spot. He's athletic, big, and just, again, just seemed like he always was in a position to make the right play. But again, it's all going to come back to experience. I don't know if I can trust it there at 26 is what I'm saying. For one, two reasons, him being middle linebacker and that inexperience, it's like, I don't know. At 26, yeah. He was he was my most surprising I think evaluation because I went into it being like yeah big linebacker inexperienced right it's really going to take him at twenty six uh, <laughs> another guy I really liked the but at the same time and, like you're right for going into it with that mindset because that yeah. like you know that's the exact question you just asked but to me he's got you know, freakish athleticism really for how big he is he did yeah. show flashes in coverage as well. Yeah, I'm flip-flopping between him and Collins kind of a a lot because I think, honestly, they're more likely to be there at 26 than any of the edge guys. And and if we throw in in, in safeties as well. But I I know it's drafting a little bit for the future, which Browns fans don't want to hear. But this guy, to me, could be a fantastic middle linebacker for this team. And it may take him a year, which would be a challenge. However, I feel like at linebacker, that's not a bad place because they do have Walker. They've got these other guys 
as well at the on the outside positions. To me, he's worth it. To me, he's worth taking a risk. I understand Browns fans might be a little disappointed in this pick. And ideally, they, the Browns could hopefully get him trading back a couple spots as well. But I, t- I am on the Jamin Davis hype train. I think he'd be a great pick for the Browns. I, I could talk myself into this one very, very easily. If the Browns took him, I'd be like, this guy could be our better linebacker for the next 10 years. Yeah, so for me, it's it's, it's Zayvon Collins over Jamin Davis. I like Jamin again. Like I was surprised by his film as well, but you got to go outside there, in my opinion, right, if, I, if it comes down to it. I it, It's going to be tough. I, I really am splitting hairs between those guys. As I said, I was leaning slightly more to, to Davis as an overall prospect. I, as I think about the Browns' needs, I think I'm less I, – I just think outside linebackers would be a nicer upgrade, but – if we're talking players, I, I, I like Jamin Davis more, so I'll stick by my guns on that part. I think he ultimately is a more intriguing prospect to me. All right. Fair enough. Agree to disagree, my friend. There we are. <laughs> there we are. Now, Jordan, somebody else that we talked about on the podcast and at a position here that I want to dive into overall, uh, the position is corner. The guy we talked about on the last, last podcast, Greg Newsom. Now, since then, we've, we've talked even more about him. I talked with Eric Crocker uh, on this feed. We did a whole deep dive into the quarterback. Nice. Uh, what did know. Croc have to say? So, so Croc loves him. Croc loves him. He was trying to sell me uh, Greg Newsom to the Browns. So, it, first of all, guys, if you want to hear uh, us talk about all the top corners, not just the guys at 26, if, you know, getting into the second, third round, go check out that podcast with Crocker on this feed. It's the last episode. But Crocker loves Greg Newsom. He thinks that the concerns about Greg Newsom as a press corner are overrated. Uh, I actually, after I recorded the podcast, saw him get into it with Chris Sims. Not get into it, but go back and forth with Chris Sims on Twitter. Because Chris <laughs> Sims called Greg Newsom a zone corner, basically. Said he's just a zone guy. And, and Crocker was like, hey, I just don't see that. I think I know he wasn't asked to do it as much, but he looks good in press coverage. So Newsom is anywhere from the top of the second round all the way to in the early twenties before the Browns get to him. I'm guessing he's more so on the early side and the Browns might have to trade up to go get Greg Newsom. Jordan, are you a fan of the Browns potentially trading up to get in the mix uh, on a guy like Greg Newsom? So if that's their guy, I'm here for it, right? Like I'm always here for like, if you're one of these teams and you, and like you, identify a guy and say this is our guy we want him we want to bring him here we like how he fits in let's go up and get him like I'm always a proponent of that like I'm always here for that so I could talk myself into it the things that I liked with Newsom um so like was Chris Sims saying that he's like only cover three or something like that yeah so so for those who don't know the Northwestern defense as well as I do Northwestern plays a ton of cover three, which is obviously yeah. a, a specific sign. That's what I know. I was going to say, I noticed that right off the bat. Like every single time, it seems like every play I watched him, he was in cover three. And I was like, well, I especially, guess he's well-versed here. <laughs> especially against Ohio State in that Big Ten championship yeah. game that yep. everybody, of course, mm-hmm. you know, because if you're only picking out three or four games for Greg Newsom, like, where are you going to go? The first game is going to be that Ohio State game where they shut down Justin yeah. Fields. Well, they played cover three a lot and, and dropped tons of people into coverage. So it's, Difficult, but he he did play obviously some press, some man, but yeah, that in general, Northwestern loves to play that cover three zone more than I would say basically um, every college team in the country. <laughs> if not, if not, uh, you know, they're in the top five as far as zone coverage played in cover three. So it's it it's makes him a little bit difficult of an eval. However, a lot of people like him. He's risen up a lot of draft boards. In the most recent mocks I've seen, he's 
going ahead in like the 21 to 23 range, Jordan. So to me, that's where you'd have to get in order to draft Greg Newsom. Yeah, and to me with him, I like the ball tracking. I thought he's a really good ball tracker. And the other thing to me that I noticed too was like um, recovery ability and not not from a physical standpoint, from like a feet. Like there was a couple of times where he was able to get back on plays with just getting his feet kind of at speed. He was really good at recovering back. And, and what did you think of him as a tackler, Henry? Because I, I actually liked what I saw from him as a tackler. I thought he took good angles. I thought he was pretty good at wrapping up when he actually tried to, you know what I mean? Obviously there's times where you just try and go for the good hit or the big hit, but like I, from what I noticed from him, like he had some pretty good wrap up ability and like was wrapping guys up and taking good angles. I did notice that. I don't know if you had any thoughts on him as a tackler. I think he's a fine tackler. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's his most outstanding skill, but to me in general, yeah. he plays the position both run and pass with a lot of physicality, which I think is something that is good for the NFL is corners. I think sometimes get away with a little bit more in the NFL, especially at the line of scrimmage, playing with more physicality. So although that can be a concern, cause it's like, Hey, is he not fast enough? Is that why he's, you know, getting, you know, his hands on these guys so often, but to me, I, I like that from him. Yeah. And like, so the only things that kind of I saw as negatives were one, obviously I think he just played in just 21 games in college. So he's still a little bit raw there. I Henry, agree. I saw a stat that um, he was very penalty prone. And I believe yep. it was 14 penalties in his last 15 games played. Like, that's not going to fly in the NFL. You got to clean that up. That was a kind of a big red flag when I saw that stat. Yeah, he, so he, he definitely plays physical, as I said, and he, he got called for it at the Northwestern. There is no doubt. Uh, I, I said two podcasts ago with you, Jordan, I don't, don't think he's a fit. Crock came on. He sold me a little bit that, that, hey, he's a better press corner than he's getting credit for. I still just – he's not it for me for, for the Browns. I, I think his injury history, I think the, the, the amount of penalties that, that he takes as a corner, I think the unproven ability as a press guy uh, at the very least or at least some disagreement there, I, I love him. I, he went to my school. He was one of our best players. I just don't think he's a fit on the Browns. I I, I like Tyson Campbell a ton. I talk about Tyson Campbell yeah. on the podcast. I don't even think Tyson Campbell's going to work for the Browns because he's in like the early second round, which is a bad place because of the Browns draft picks. But I Greg Newsom to me is a, a good player, just not the right player for the Browns. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I could see him. I would take him here. But again, that penalty thing scares the living daylights out of me, to be honest with you. But I liked everything else that I saw. But obviously the press coverage questions paired with the uh, physicality questions, the line of scrimmage, like, yeah, those two kind of things where it's kind of like, that's what we need to play alongside Denzel. And if you don't really, if those are the two things that you're questioned for, then like, I don't see how it's a fit either. But again, I could probably, I could see myself talking in myself into it if I had to. That's kind of how all these things work. Yeah, and and for me, if the Browns are going to take corner, I'd actually rather them do the opposite. As, as I said, trade back. And trade, yeah, ideally, right. for, With a for me, there, yeah. Tyson Campbell is the guy. If the Browns trade back into the early second round, that might be an overdraft for some people. However, what I've seen a lot of, uh, I, I saw Jake Burns from OBR do this, and I've seen a bunch of other people do this, is have the Browns trade back and draft Asante Samuel Jr., who out of Florida State is a guy that – is also very intriguing as a prospect. Some people are very high on him, of course, you know, the son of Asante Samuel. And I don't know, uh, some really highlight plays at Florida State, but I, I think there are some 
mixed opinions on him overall as a prospect there. Jordan, what about the idea of that? What about the idea of, of trading back and taking Asante Samuel Jr. or somebody else if you have somebody else in mind? Uh, I, you know, I, I could listen to it. I wasn't that in love with Samuel, to be honest with you. Um, a couple Me of things either. I did, like, I, yeah, see, like, I thought he had good footwork and, like, his body balance was pretty good. But other than that, like, I think size is a real issue. He's, I think he's only, like, 5'10", something along those lines, which is, like, and then, like, the lack of, like, physical strength, those things. Like, I, I just wasn't in love with him in particular. But I, I do like the idea of trading back for a corner because, again, we've talked about the depth about in, in, in this draft at corner in particular. But I just don't know if it's Asante Samuel Jr. I didn't really – to be honest, like, I, I didn't really understand the hype around his name once I actually – like, other than actually his name. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but once I started to actually look at the film and kind of read up on him, I was kind of like, I, I don't know if I really like what I see here. Least favorite prospect by me for me by far out of this group. It, uh, I would agree he with seems, you there. He seems trendy. A, a lot of people disagree with me. I just, yeah, but it's like, where did that, where's that coming from, though? Because I didn't see it. I, I really didn't. I, like, I, what, did you guys? Did you and Crocker talk about him? Yeah, we did, and, and I think Crocker was a little bit down on him as well. I think he was saying two years ago his tape was poor, and then last year he he saw a lot more that he liked from Asante Samuel Jr. What I what I dislike about him is I saw him bail a ton. It, it felt like he basically felt uncomfortable and basically backed out uh, of his coverage. He you know opens his hips too early and gave up anything easy underneath. And yes, he makes plays on the ball. I understand that. I was out on him way too many times for me. Is he he giving up an easy pass completion? I think he's going to get taken advantage of in the NFL. I yeah, don't see and- it. I, I think there are a bunch of other guys I'd rather have who are going behind him in all the mock drafts. So I, this is not, I, I, I keep seeing this all over the internet and I don't want this to happen for the Browns. Yeah, and seeing some of his lowlights, too, like, we just talked about Newsom, who was, like, pretty, he was uh, penalty-prone and had a lot of penalties. Like, Sante Samuel Jr. had a lot of penalties called mm-hmm. on him. And to me, they were way more egregious than the ones called on Newsom. Because Newsom, again, he was kind of using his hands as the line of scrimmage, and, like, you're going to get called for that more than you are in college, as you said. But to me, a lot of the penalties that I saw on Sante Samuel Jr. were just, like, unnecessary. It's like, dude, hey, you had him covered. Why, why are you putting hands on him in the last, last second? Why are you running into him last second? Like, a lot of it just seemed unnecessary to me, like, undisciplined. And, again, that was just another factor that kind of drove me away from the idea of him. It, I don't know if it's a lack of instincts, maybe, that he maybe. doesn't realize when he's got – when he's okay, when he's got guys covered. I I just I, – I was not a, a fan of his tape. I, I didn't see it. I understand that some people love him. But boy, I, I when I watched him, I was like, there's just way too many plays where you're like, what is going on here? Exactly. Like he either right. bails out and just leaves a guy uncovered, or he's got him covered and, as you said, commits a penalty. And you're like, what? How is this guy a, a, a top prospect? Now, he, he has some great highlight plays, too. I understand that, but I, I it's a no. It's a no for me. I, I'd rather the Browns either trade even further back and, you know, draft one of these other guys, Melifonwu out of Syracuse, Tyson Campbell – or I, I'd rather see them just not not draft Asante Samuel Jr. and draft somebody else. So that that's uh, I, I, coming out pretty strongly against him. But if the Browns <laughs> yeah. do that, I'm not going to bash him for five minutes here. Yeah, you know, guy. And, uh, well, I have to talk Asante. myself into it if the Browns <laughs> draft him. And, yeah, maybe I do like. Oh, the you idea know we trade. will too. 
I do like the idea of trading back in general. It's just for yeah. what players, because you're at 26, if you're the Browns, right? There, there are going to be some people trying to get back into the, you know, the end of that first round. That's a valuable place to trade back. And I think honestly, the Browns could use some, some picks for next year where they could honestly, you know, go get some ammo at the trade deadline, depending on injuries and things like that. So I like the idea overall of trading back. It's just, I don't like the idea of trading back for Asante Samuel Jr. Wait, so we actually have some breaking news. Are you ready for this? Yeah. So about 10 minutes ago, Justina Anderson tweeted out, I'm told the Browns are working to arrange another visit with free agent Ed Rusher to Davian Clowney for Monday. At this time, it looks like Monday will be the day per source. So it sounds like tomorrow Clowney will be back in Berea for another visit with the Browns. Now, that okay. is very, very interesting. <laughs> well, so as we talk about these draft prospects, say the Browns sign Clowney, do they not? I mean, it, it certainly makes sense. Well, doesn't that, they, that, yeah, like, doesn't that mean, like, to me, doesn't that scream Russo? Like, if that's the case, if, if, if Clowney is coming back and then you got another guy who can bring in, like, Russo, we talked about, like, you know, kind of just what we talked about from his standpoint of how he would fit in. Like, I don't know if he fit in right away, but, like, be able to move those, bring those quick feet in for like a play or two and here and there and maybe make a play and then build off that for the future. I think that all of a sudden becomes very realistic for the Browns. I, I'm with you there. I thought earlier in the, in this, you know, in, in this history of the, of the podcast that you were as uh, less bullish on drafting an edge at 26. If we sign Clowney, I'd like to add somebody else to the mix there. However, it could, you know, in theory mean the opposite where the, the Browns feel that Clowney addresses, you know, their, their hole at edge and they feel more comfortable taking a linebacker or a safety, even though those guys might not have as much positional value. Maybe they like the, the guys there better at 26, which is why they're so interested in climbing. That could be the, uh, the other, the other argument. Yeah. A lot of interesting stuff to work out here, but <laughs> I just saw that and thought we had to mention that before we signed off here real quick, but Hey, you know damn well that we'll be hopping back on here either tomorrow <laughs> night or, or whatever, when if something happens, because Hey, you're not bringing someone back for a second visit. If one, if you're not interested, and two, if they aren't. So it'll be. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know where else he's going to go, too. It feels like the Browns have, uh, the, you know, the most connection there for sure. Make some noise, Henry. One, one other name I just want to throw out you, at you real quick, because he's a guy that I don't think anybody thought was going to be there for the Browns. Now I think a lot of people are saying he's going to fall past the Browns. Caleb Farley. Some people had him as their number one corner. It has a back procedure. He already had a serious knee injury. So I, I don't really even want to get your take. I mean, if you have you know major thoughts on him as a prospect, let me know. I think most people are higher on him as a prospect than you know a pick at twenty six. They they see him more as a mid to high first round prospect. However, with the injury concerns, he's falling. Is that an absolute no go for you or? It, would you be enraged if the Browns took a flyer on him at 26 or early in the second round oh, no. if they traded back? No, I would not be enraged by that whatsoever. I've said, I've you know, said in a previous podcast that like Caleb Farley, the guy that I was hoping would maybe fall to 26, just because with like, cause I, I think Henry, we've talked about in the past, like, Hey, I don't think there's any way that he's going to, but then I said like, you know, the injuries and all that, maybe it's possible, maybe, you know, it starts to become more of a red flag as these teams do a deeper dive. It's kind of looking like that may be the case, but I loved a lot what I saw from obviously limited stuff with uh, Caleb Farley, but he, like, what I saw from him from press coverage standpoint was great. 
Um, big, long, he can run. Like I, I like a lot from what I see with him. Crocker and I talked about this on the last pod. He has some plays that are jump out of your seat. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. How did he close that gap and make that play on the ball? He almost – it was something that always stuck out. It's natural. It's it's very natural for him. Exactly. It it almost reminds me of – and they're totally different players because Farley's a a bigger, longer player than Joe Hayden is. But Joe Hayden, part of the reason I was so impressed with him as a Brown is – of that recovery speed. We're like, ah, the receiver seems a little bit open. And then boom, if they have to slow down even a, a quarter of a step for the ball, Joe Hayden closed that gap. And Caleb Farley to me does that yeah. all the time on tape. Where if the receiver just has to slow down for a hair of a second, the gap is gone. And I think he's got some weaknesses that he needs to improve on as far as the fundamentals are concerned. But I feel like that's just teachable stuff. It's, te- it's technique stuff. Yeah that I think the Browns could work with him on. I, I love Farley. I, it'll be interesting. I saw him fall back to 31 in, in the most recent mock draft I saw, I think on cbssports.com, which is why I bring him up. It happened. I was looking at it 15 minutes before the show, but who knows uh, what the medicals will be there. And that's a part we're just not going to have access to, but as a prospect, he's, he's better than 26. He, oh yeah. He's one of my favorite him. prospects. Like without Browns question, have a chance like... at him, I think they should take him too. So Jordan, just, Real quick before we sign off, number one, give me your your thoughts just overall going through this exercise. If anything stuck out to you as far as a change in your philosophy or of a player just totally surprised you. And in general, just rank for me maybe your your top three guys as far as the guys that you watch that you would want the Browns to take out of this group that we discussed today. So the one thing that really kind of stood out to me in particular was I didn't think that I was going to love Zayvon Collins as much as I did. I, I really did not. I, w- I was questioning, obviously, like I said, I was questioning why he was linked to us so often. And then I started really diving on him and I was like, you know what? I, I like this dude a lot. I like everything that he can bring to this team is everything I want from that linebacking position. So to me, uh, Zayvon Collins is, uh, I'll rank him as number one for me. And number two, I would say probably it would be Russo for me. Mm-hmm. And then number three, I'd go with uh, Newsom. So th- those are those are my top three. And then I think that we didn't necessarily like deep dive on him, but Caleb Farley is like that three A three B type, right? Like it's like I could really switch him with Newsom basically. And but those two are for um, defensive backs were definitely my top two. But like I said, like I was, dude, I was shocked when I tell you, Henry, that I went into the Zayvon Collins tape thinking like what am I, I'm about to watch this and get pissed off that he was even linked to us so often. And I watched it and I was like, no, it makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> yeah. I, I, for me, I think the overall thing that stuck out was I've been hammering, Hey, the Browns need to take edge. They need to take edge. I don't get why we keep getting linked to linebackers. I don't get it. Then I dove into the tape and I just yeah. like the players better at linebacker than safety, which is a little bit of the challenge. So for me, I mean, my top guy, I would say, is Jalen Phillips is still my number one. I think there's zero chance that the Browns are, are going to have a chance to draft him. Not zero, but I'd say, uh, you know, 10%, we'll call it. Uh, maybe 20, if people are concerned by the medicals. Other than that, I think uh, I, I almost, I might put Jamin Davis as my number two. And, and I would put, uh, I guess, I Rousseau slightly as, no, I, Rousseau, I'll put as my number two. I'll put Jamin Davis as my number three, and, and Collins closely at four. 
And honestly, I I, I like uh, Merrick the most out of the prospect. Uh, you know, I well, <laughs> that's he, your he boy. Changed his, he changed my opinion the most. I just don't think it makes sense for the Browns to draft a guy like that at 26. I, I, I'm out on that part of it. But if the Browns take him, I'll get excited about it. So he, to me, I guess, slots in at number five just because I think they need more help at linebacker at this point. They need more help at edge. However, I will state with a caveat right now, if the Browns take him, <laughs> I'm going to be excited. I love him as All a right. player. Okay. It's, just, yeah, no, it's, I love it's, like, it's one of those in the vacuum things versus out of the vacuum thing. I'm like, I add up all the context. I'm like, okay, I guess it doesn't make sense, but I would love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's just how it is, man. I, but like, Hey, no, this was a great exercise to kind of just understand these players better, understand how they would fit into it. If, if the fit would even make sense. So uh, hopefully we were able to shed some light on some of these prospects for uh, the listeners out there. Absolutely. Jordan, hopefully we were, we will be back with more podcasts on this feed prior to the draft. We're closing in on it here. Just about two and a half weeks away from it happening in Cleveland, Ohio, where Jordan is located. I'm sure. Yeah. Jordan, are, you, are you doing any, are, is ESPN Cleveland going to do anything special for the draft or is it still, I guess it's probably mostly still remote. So yeah, I'm guessing that it will still be mostly remote, but we actually um, will be hammering that out this week. So I'll have more information on that probably the next time we hop on. All right. All right. There it is. Yeah. As I said, more, more content to come on the, on this feed. I, I, I'd love to, yeah. Chris Trapasso and I have been going back and forth uh, in Twitter DMs. He's in cbssports.com draft analyst. So hoping to get him on for some of his takes as well, uh, especially on some of the mid and later round guys that he's probably watched more of than us, but this was fantastic for all you listeners out there. If you have strong feelings that, uh, about who the Browns should take at 26, Jordan is at, J underscore Climax 20 on Twitter. I'm at Henry underscore Edinger. Find us, tweet us, very open to conversations there. Hey, maybe leave a review you know, for the podcast <laughs> and drop in who you think the Browns should take at 26. I, I read the reviews, so I, I'll see it. We can dro- name drop you on the next podcast if you do that as well. So uh, I encourage everybody out there, please subscribe, rate, review, support the show, all those good things. Jordan, until next time, just two words for you. Go Browns. <laughs>